How is it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Buddy's House of Horror Podcast. I got a really fun episode for you guys today. If you guys have been listening and watching the show for a while, you know that I love SOV horror films. And my guest on the show today is the owner and proprietor of SOVHorror.com, Tony Massiello. We had an amazing conversation about shot on video horror films, our memories of the video store back in the 80s and 90s, and about a lot of the films that his distribution label has been putting out recently. As always, I'm going to try to keep this intro brief and just get to our conversation. If you guys are watching this over on YouTube, make sure you give this video a thumbs up and share it with a friend and don't forget to subscribe to my channel. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you subscribe to the show and leave me a rating and review. We're going to get right to the show, so enjoy my conversation with Tony Massiello. Well, I've noticed that you've gotten a few uh, test screener copies of some films that you're looking to put out in the near future. Um, how's everything sort of looking so far um, and what you've gone through? Oh, so far, so good. So I actually do all the encoding myself on all of our discs. So I've been, uh, I used to do it professionally. So uh, usually I do a pretty good job, but every so often replicator will screw up and, uh, you know, you gotta you got to redo a disc, but... So far, so good. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I saw, I saw you like posted on Facebook because you always like keep everyone updated with what's going on and stuff. What were the ones that you uh, just got? I saw that you had like two of them that you were trying out. We actually just got six new ones. In. Oh, really? So, uh, yeah, six new ones. <laughs> um, we got. Let me see here. We got uh, Americill and Dead Teenagers. Uh, those are going to be coming out in August, August thirteenth. Those are both uh, uh, from Chris La Martina probably best known for doing a uh, call girl Cthulhu and WNUF Halloween special. So those are his first two movies. So we have those in August and then we also have uh, September. So there's two of them. There's a uh, bloody red lips of blood, which is another uh, originally was a warlock release. So another kind of old school throwback SOV. And then we're actually doing our first film release, which is uh, Michael Lucas's blood orgy of the leather girls. So really excited to finally actually put out a real film. Oh, you yeah. know, I, you know, I don't want to be pigeonholed with just shot on video horror. Um, to me, it's anything that's a cool movie is kind of what we like to put out. Yeah, and we ha- we have a few more too. Uh, uh, probably around October, we're going to be releasing uh, Ron Ford's Monster History 101, which is actually an original film uh, he actually put together for us. So it's uh, one of our few original produced movies. And then we're also putting out. Uh, a uh, compilation of uh, shorts by a young filmmaker named Gore Filth, and uh, that one's called Backyard Gore. So uh, we got some some uh, fun stuff coming out really soon here. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, of course, everyone listening to this, um, I'm talking with a new friend of mine, Tony, Tony Massiello. Um, he is the, the curator, owner, and proprietor of SOVHorror.com. Um, and just sort of doing my research on you, you got a pretty eclectic resume. Um, you've done all kinds of things. Um, you're a visual effects artist. You're a director. Um, you've hosted several web series over the years. Um, so just kind of give our audience just a general sense of who you are and what you're all about. Um, you would do a much better job giving yourself an introduction than I would. So, <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I'm Tony Masciello. I'm a... Uh... Pretty much uh, the the owner and operator of SOVHorror.com. Uh, it's a site that's uh, dedicated to uh, preserving the history of shot on video horror films. 
And uh, recently we became a DVD label, so now we also put out movies. Um, as far as uh, my background, though, um, I was I grew up being a huge fan of, of, of horror movies growing up. You know, I grew up in the 80s when the video boom was going real strong. And, uh, you know, I, I'd have my mom drive me around to pretty much every video store in town or in every horror movie I could find. And uh, just co became completely obsessed. And when my buddy got a, a video camera when we were teenagers, you know, he asked me to help him out. And uh, realizing, like, wow, we can actually make our own movies. Like, this is really amazing. And then discovering shot on video movies, which was another, you know, very inspiring thing. And, uh, you know, I was in my 20s, kind of not really doing much with my life in my early 20s. And my mom was like, you know, why don't you look into the movie thing? You seem to really, you know, love film and, and love movies. And so I went to school and uh, got a degree in digital video production. And uh, that eventually led to working in the visual effects industry and the 3D film industry. I worked on a lot of big mainstream Drek. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I kind of did that for a while. And uh, currently, I actually, I, I work for Rift Tracks, uh, which is a small company uh, run by the guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000. I'm an editor with them. And uh, I pretty much just love movies. I, I love directing. I've directed some, some films. Uh, you know, I've edited a lot of films. I've, uh, I like to do a little bit of everything. Tell us a little bit um, about SOVHorror.com. And you mentioned it slightly. It's about curating all of these films that were shot on video. There are a lot of, there's a lot of them that are hard to find um, nowadays. So just give us a general sense of what SOVHorror.com is all about. Yeah, so I originally started the website to be a complement to... I had, uh, out of film school, I, I wanted to make a movie and, uh, I, I started on this project and it pretty much fell apart and I was really kind of, uh, bummed about that and, uh, was kind of rethinking, what am I going to do now? You know, I had worked pre-production on this film for six months and it completely fell apart. And, uh, so I was like, well, what can I do on my own? What do I not need to rely on other people to do? And I thought, well, what, how about I make a documentary? And how about I make a documentary about these movies that inspired me to get into filmmaking, which was the shot on video movies. And so I, I told myself, I said, I said, if I can find like a really obscure director, like I'll do this. If I can find an obscure director who will actually do it, then, then I'm going to do this project. And uh, the first person I tried to contact was uh, Tim Boggs, the director of Blood Lake, which is one of my favorite SOVs. That is, a and this is back. I was gonna say that is. A, I've had Tim on the show before. Uh, he's so a, nice. He he's a great guy. Uh, we ended up talking for because I didn't really I didn't know too much about him at the time, and I just sort of reached out to him blindly to be on the show. We talked for about two and a half hours, just about life, just about it. He was the coolest guy. So. Oh, he is. I mean, what, I interviewed him. I, I think I was the first person to actually do a real interview with him back then. This was on 2010. He was really shocked when I reached out to him. And uh, Tim is so great. I mean, we the interview was actually about eight hours, the one we did oh. with him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so he was the first. And, and Tim was so great. He was so motivational, you know, when it was speaking to him and him talking about his passion for film and filmmaking I mean, he really helped push me to go, I can do this project. I'm going to continue on this. And so I started working on the project. And uh, currently, we're up to 50 interviews. I have about 50 interviews. Um, and as I mentioned, Tim's was like eight hours. And, and that was that's actually fairly typical for a lot of these interviews. Right. A lot of the interviews I have are very long. 
And so uh, I got kind of sidetracked for a while. I was uh, asked to work on a few movies. I directed a couple movies and kind of, you know, I wouldn't say lost interest in the documentary, but, you know, sometimes life takes you in different roads. And so I eventually decided to turn it into a web series because also I thought there's way too much good information in here for just one film. I mean, like I said, 50 filmmakers, hours and hours of footage and me being a huge fan. I'm like, I can't. I don't want to make an hour and a half talking headpiece that doesn't give out the information and keep the history of these movies alive. Cause that's a sad thing to me is it's great that these movies are getting recognized recently and that it is a more recent thing, but you know, is I feel the history is just disappearing. You know, I feel like, you know, uh, there's not a lot of written stuff on this subject. There's not a lot of, you know, uh, video interviews. And like I said, it's great. It's happening now, but, to me, it was all about preserving that history. So I decided to turn it into a web series. And that's what the website originally was intended for. The SOVHorror.com was a way to put out that web series, SOV, The True Independence, which I'm still making episodes. I'm still doing episodes here and there. I mean, we're only up to, I think, episode 15 after 10 years. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, that's also because uh, due to, you know, directing other projects and getting asked to do other work and, and now the DVD line. But we're also continuing to put out new ones all I'll give you guys a spoiler. The next one should be coming out next month. And uh, that one's uh, going to be covering Gary Whitson of Wave Films. So, that one you know, be- it's a passion project of mine. It's, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so not only, so it doesn't only curate all these things. You have the web series going on. Um, mm-hmm. You've got merch available on the site. You can get all the DVDs, of course. You can get a pillow. You can get posters. There's all kinds of cool things going on over there. Um, and your other web series, um, which I've seen a few episodes of, I'm a huge fan of, is the SOV and Beers series. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> what can you tell me about that one? Uh, well, that one was, you know, the videos were kind of few and far between, and I was trying to find ways to create more content to help promote the DVD label. I mean, I'm literally a one-man business. Like, I pretty much do everything myself, with the exception of I have a great artist who I work with sometimes, uh, Jason Gilmore from Bloodscreen Comics. And uh, Richard Mogg, uh, who wrote the great book Analog Nightmares, all about SOV movies, uh, does some of our synopsis for us. But other than that, I pretty much do everything myself. So I was like, how can, what's another way I can help promote and get word out about what we're doing? And so I was like, hey, I can start this web series. I love SOV. I love beer. So why don't I just mix the two together and, uh, <laughs> you know, have a beer and have a casual conversation? And that's how I treat it, you know. Uh, I'm an editor by trade, and normally I like to edit stuff and all that, but the Slovene beers, it's literally just set up the camera, off the cuff, no edits, no, you know, just trying to have a, a conversation about these movies that I love so much. Yeah, I, I relate to that a lot. Um, for a co- We haven't done an episode in a while, but I did. we did a show called Lost on VHS where we would just focus on all these films that haven't been released on DVD you're trying to put me out of business a little bit here, <laughs> putting all these nah, on, on DVD. Oh, I'm just teasing you. Um, but yeah, I think it's really important just to sort of preserve this history. Um, and like with my show, it's done in like a comedic light. Like we make fun of the movies a little bit, but it's all in good fun. And a lot of the people that have been featured in the film, like we did Blood Lake and then Tim came on the show after he saw the review and stuff. Um, and we've I done see. like Death Row Diner. Um, we've done like awesome. Fright, Fright House, um, some of the classics. Um, but yeah, speaking of preserving history, I mean, you were a child of the 80s. I was one of the early 90s. 
And it's just sort of mind-boggling to me that a lot of people today have never set foot in a video store or really even aware that you could go into a store and pick up something on a shelf and be like, oh, I'm going to take this home. It's sort of like a library, right. but for films. Um, what what can you tell me about the video store um, in the 80s? Oh, wow. I mean, it, the, the, the main <laughs> thing I think of is magic. To me, the video store were magical. I mean, I was a... I was a pretty uh, rebellious kid. I didn't have many friends. I was kind of a weirdo, you know, and uh, the video store was kind of my place where, you know, you could rent these these movies and, uh, you know, it's just so amazing. I mean, you, you'd walk around, you look at all the boxes, you know, they'd have all the great standees out and the promotional things out. And it, I mean, it was just so magical. I mean, I, I pretty much, you know, I... I've tried to make my house look like a video store because I just missed the video stores so much. I mean, they were such a special place to me. And I, I literally like, you know, I, one membership became two, became three, became four. Next thing I know, you know, my, my poor mother has to drive me around to every video store in uh, San Diego where I'm from. And, uh, you know, uh, just trying to rent the, the, the weirdest of the weird horror films that I could find, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I really miss those times. You know, it's to me, it's really sad because, you know, I know we have like streaming and stuff like that now. And personally, I'm not a big fan of streaming myself, but, uh, and, and that's mainly because of the limited choice. I feel like, you know, you go on Netflix and there's maybe, you know, what, a hundred, 200 horror films that are hand curated by a, a corporate overlord, so to speak, where in the video stores, especially a lot of them were mom and pop run stores you know, they would carry all sorts of movies, you know, small companies, companies, you know, like Dead Alive Productions, Cinema Home Video, these companies would actually call the mom and pop video stores and directly sell their product to them. And that's how you got all these SOVs in a lot of these uh, stores. And, uh, you know, that's definitely not happening with Netflix and stuff like that. No. You know, it's, I feel it's a lot more limited choice where, you know, back then it, it there was a lot more choice, I felt, you know. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, for me, I've completely sort of made the jump with my music. Um, I found that's a lot easier to stream. But, like, for movies, like, as you said, it's very limited. And, I mean, and just looking behind you now, I see hundreds of VHS on your <laughs> shelf. And I can guarantee most of those won't ever be on a streaming service, most likely. Um, so, I yeah. really don't think that physical media can ever really completely go away. Um, but it's definitely not... Um, what it used to be, I guess. Um, yeah, it's more of a collector's market now, for the most part, you know. Yeah. Um, when did you first get into the... Were you collecting the tapes from early on, or did you sort of get into that later? Because me, I sort of got I sort of got into it late in the game, uh, just a few years back. Like, a lot of my tapes when I was a kid, um, I'd either gotten rid of or whatever. Um, but have you held on to all your stuff the whole time? I still have the first VHS I ever got, which was a copy of Troll. Uh, <laughs> my mom and her friend had uh, bought out an old video store's uh, stock, and they were selling tapes at a, at a swap meet uh, uh, along with other stuff. And my mom was like, you can pick out one tape, and uh, if it doesn't sell by the end of the day, you can have that tape. And the t tape I actually found that I really wanted, I wanted Dawn of the Dead, that original Thorn EMI clamshell <laughs> of Dawn of the Dead. And I was like, wow, this looks so cool, but someone bought it. And so my <laughs> second choice was uh, Troll. And uh, yeah, I still have that tape. And, uh, you know, I immediately started buying tapes. And back then they were expensive. Like you paid a lot of money for, for like a beat up used copy. I mean, you know, I remember buy, going to like, uh, 
I think it was Woolworth is what it used to be called, but like it was like $40 for a used beat up copy, you know, Friday the 13th part four, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it took a, a lot of, a lot of mowing lawns and stuff like that to start collecting these tapes. And then thankfully, you know, as the nineties came, that's when you started seeing those SLP tapes, those tapes that were recorded in, in the crappier, uh, speed. And so those, a lot of those would be $10. You could go to a retail store now, go to Kmart or whatever and buy a $10 VHS, which is like amazing, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I continue to collect, uh, but like a lot of people, when DVD came, you know, DVD was like far superior. And so I started, you know, uh, getting rid of some of my tapes. And it wasn't until really I started noticing the video stores closing down in mass that I started really collecting VHS again, hardcore. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was getting tapes for 20 cents a piece, you know, that are now probably hundreds, you know, worth hundreds of dollars. Right. Um, are there any stores still around you that rent like DVDs and Blu-ray? Oh, no, you're good. Okay. Hello. Yeah, I'm good. I can. Okay, sorry. So sorry, my headphone jack's a little crappy on my phone here. That's okay. Uh, Are there any stores still around you that rent like DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff? I know the one near me actually just closed um, a couple weeks back due to you know everything that's sort of going on in the world. Um, But are there any? places still around you like local places or anything unfortunately not uh we had a, an amazing video store out here called kensington video it was kind of the last video store pretty much in san diego and they closed shop probably about two or three years ago which was really sad um the owners were really nice people they'd been there you know since the early 80s and they were one of those shops that had everything i mean but i mean on the bright side, when they close, I got a ton of like great stuff for like no money. I mean, a lot of cool video store displays and, uh, you know, lots of cool tapes. I mean, and near the end there, they were literally selling a hundred tapes for $20 was the deal. You could buy a hundred VHS tapes for $20. That's crazy. And so I, 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 I gave them many, a $20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bought many a tapes. As I, as I see behind you, I actually saw you're yeah. actually selling a bit of your collection. I heard. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, I have so many doubles. And like I said, when the video stores were closing down, you know, I kind of saw the writing on the wall and, you know, I, I'm a dork. I'm like a lot of other collectors, you know, where you like subtle differences and covers and stuff like that. You're like, Oh, this one's a, this is one was put out in 86 and this one's 87, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I wouldn't mind buying doubles and I'd buy doubles, you know, all the time if they were very cheap. And so pretty much I've been, my garage is filled with doubles and extra tapes, you know, that I don't have room for in my, in my house. So, you know, I got married, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're running out of room. So it, it's time to, to let some of those doubles go and, and find some nice homes, you know, so yeah. hoping to sell those off pretty soon here. What are some of your, uh, I don't, I don't mean the go on about your collection or anything. Uh, I know you're a humble guy, but what are some of your, uh, your holy grail tapes, like stuff that you, some of your like rarest ones that you, you're never going to part ways with. My rarest tape. And, uh, actually I might part ways with this particular one, but my rarest tape is I have a sealed copy of tales from the quad zone, which is uh, Chester novel Turner's second movie. The, the gentleman who made a black devil doll from hell. And, uh, I know that tapes worth 
a lot of money. <laughs> I think it's sold for, I think I saw a copy a while back sell for over a thousand dollars. Oh, that's crazy. Um, so I got a copy of that. Um, now I got a lot of the stuff that people think is pretty rare. Uh, to me, I mean, my, my personal favorites aren't probably even that rare or that worth that much. You know, one of my favorites in my collection is the original metal Nora tape, uh, which is just a dub tape that I have. Another one of my personal favorites is I have a, there's an actor named uh, Joseph Haggerty who was in a lot of nineties SOV movies and actually have his acting demo reel. Oh, right. And that's one of <laughs> another, another one of my personal favorites, but you know, I got a lot of the like Todd sheet stuff and, uh, you know, a lot of the cinema home video, you know, a lot of those tapes that I, I see go for a, a lot of money these days. Um, Metal Noir, that's one that you've put out as well, right? Yeah. So, yeah, the, the tape I have is actually how I discovered the movie. Um, long story short, I was interviewing uh, director Jay Wolfel, uh, who's most known for doing the movie Things, as well as probably a demonicus, demon gladiator from hell, Transfer 6, Beyond Dream's Door. Anyways, I was interviewing him, and we were kind of talking, and he has he has an amazing collection. You want to see a great DVD collection, go to Jay Wolfel's house. That guy's got everything. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, but we were talking, and uh, you know, I kind of mentioned I was a big fan of VHS and stuff, and uh, he, he had a bunch of uh, tapes. Uh, he, uh, you know, he wasn't really using them anymore, so he's like, hey, you can have some of these tapes, and on one of those was Metal Noir. It was a dub tape that he had got from a friend who was a reviewer, I think, for uh, Cinema Fantastique, the old uh, sci-fi you know, magazine. And uh, on this tape was Metal Noir, and, and I pretty much shit a brick when I saw it. <laughs> you know, I absolutely fell in love with this movie, and uh, that's pretty much what started the DVD line, was, was discovering that movie and just being like, why, ha why isn't this out there? Why haven't people seen this movie, you know? Yeah. Um, what, uh, so I, you mentioned, wasn't it, because I think I've heard you tell this story before, um, wasn't it like a dub of a dub and then you had to find like some other prints of it and you had to sort of Frankenstein it together? Yeah. So, so yeah, the copy that I got was a dub of a dub pretty much. It, it looked really bad. It almost, you know, at times it looked like, uh, what scramble porn used to look like in the 90s for anyone who remembers <laughs> that you know where you got the kind of picture scrolling and stuff like that and it was a it was a pretty poor copy but uh you know i, I trudged through it watching it uh because i'm a kid of the you know we had rabbit ears on our tv and yeah. when i was a kid so it wasn't that big of a deal but uh you know i obviously knew there was no way we could release it that way i got in contact with uh, david r williams the director and he uh we we struck a deal uh, to, to release the film and he sent me the master tape he still had the master tape but unfortunately it was destroyed in a flood so uh, when i got the tape it was covered in mold and you know no, no labs would touch it i you know tried to get multiple yeah. labs and no <laughs> one wanted to touch it and so uh it was like well do i just put out the dub version and i, I reached out to everyone i could who was involved with the movie and charles pinion who's a director in his own right and also one of the stars of the movie he had a work print VHS of it, and the work print was uh, it was missing all the music. It wasn't a complete edit. There was some scenes that were missing in the work print, and so I set about the long, arduous process of recutting Metal Noir using the work print because his work print did look better than my print, and so using a combination of my print, the work print, and I was able to score the original uh, score for the film 
and I literally cut the film shot for shot to match that original copy that I had. <laughs> it took, <laughs> I think it took me about six months to do that. So you basically had to redo the entire thing, pretty much. You yep. had all the footage, but you had to sync the right audio with this and all that. So started yep. from scratch. Was that one of the first? That was the first one you put out, or that was one of the first ones? Yeah, that was the very first release we did. Yeah. Uh, what was what were, what are because you've released um, a few so far, and you said you've got a bunch coming out. Um, what are some besides um, the ones that you've been a part of? Because we're obviously going to talk about. Um, the films that you've worked on, uh, but what are some of the other uh, favorite ones that you've had um, putting together? Not necessarily the the films themselves. But what are the favorite ones that you've uh, sort of had the chance to refine? Yeah. So um, another one, I actually uh, a friend of mine, uh, a director of the name Romelli, had shot this movie in the early two thousands. It was an unfinished SOV movie, and uh, back then I kind of helped her out with it. And, uh, I mean, she, she tried to edit this movie on iMovie back in the day. And, uh, if anyone tried to <laughs> edit an iMovie in the early 2000s, you'll understand the struggles of doing that. And, and, and the cut was just really bad. It wasn't very good. And, uh, I actually re-edited that movie from scratch as well. That was another one that I re-edited from scratch to kind of make it better and, and to finish it. Cause honestly, the movie was kind of unfinished. And so we, uh, you know, with some clever editing, we kind of wrapped it all up. And uh, so that one was a lot of fun as well. You know, I, I but by uh, trade, you know, uh, some people may call me a filmmaker or whatnot. I'm probably more of an editor than anything else. Um, I'm, I've never considered myself to be a great filmmaker, uh, but I, I do love editing. You know, editing is one of my passions. And so that one was really special for that. And uh, one of the most recent ones that we just released, Mr. Ice Cream Man, uh, We've been working on this release for better part of seven months now. Uh, another one that took a very long time to to come to light, and uh, this one was uh, no different. Uh, there there was a lot of work to be done. We were able to get the original master tape, the original Beta SP master tape, which looked amazing. But the problem was was the Beta SP was missing the score. Uh oh. <laughs> and so, and it's funny because the original VHS issue that Dead Alive Productions put out actually was also missing the score and they they fixed it on the dvd release but the the print they used on the dvd release was very subpar so uh i went through the process once again of remastering the score getting the score inserted on the film and uh remastering the film and uh i'm, I'm very happy with that one you know we put a lot of time into doing special features so that's kind of another thing i kind of pride our company on it i like to say we're the criterion of shot on video movies we're going to put the care and love into these movies. You know, I don't just rush releases out. I really try to get as much cool stuff as we can on there. So Mr. Ice Cream Man was another one that took a long time. So I, I feel very, like, rewarding, you know, all the work that we did on that one. Are there any that you get that are just sort of good to go and you don't have to do anything? Or do all of them require, like, some sort of maintenance? Uh, you know, there's been some films that were pretty much, yeah, you know, we, we get the DV cam. It looks pretty good. And we'll just, you know... Uh, Sometimes we'll do a little bit of color correction or, you know, a little bit of sound tweaking to make the sound a little better. Uh, but for the most part, a, a lot of them we've had to do work. You know, I, I try, though, I try not to change the movie. So I don't I'm a real strong believer in not changing the film. You know, I want the movie to be the same way you saw it when you saw it on VHS the first time. 
I know some companies and some directors like to go back and re-tinker with their movies, re-edit them, you know, cut, cut out the padding now that they don't need that 75-minute runtime. But uh, I believe in giving that original version to the fans. So I try not to tinker with anything other than just making it more visually and orally pleasing to the audience, you know? Yeah. Um, what is it about SOV that's so appealing to you? Because, I mean, there's tons of horror fans out there. I mean, some people are into all kinds of different facets of horror. What is it about SOV that really drew you to create this whole company around it and even make some yourself? You know, it, it goes into the name of my web series, Independence. To me, you know, SOV is like the punk rock of, of film of the film industry, you know. You know, back then it wasn't it's never been easy to make a movie. Actually, it's a lot easier now, but back in the day, even on the film days, you needed thousands of dollars to create a film. And when the video camera first came on the market, all of a sudden fans and anyone could try to make their own movie. Now, it was still difficult back then, though. I mean, the, the the editing equipment and stuff like that was very expensive. You'd have to go to, like, a local television house and all that. But, you know, what I always loved about it is here are people who want to tell stories. Here are people, they have a vision, they have a story that they want to share with the world, and they can do whatever they want. They don't have a producer on their ass saying, oh, I don't think we can do that. I don't think, you know, the audience is going to like that. Or, you know, they're making the movies that they want to make. And you end up with so many weird, interesting films. I mean, it's, you know, there it, it's people following their visions. It's following their true heart with art. You know, I've worked on big mainstream movies. You know, when I did 3D conversion, I worked on movies like the Transformer films and, you know, Man of Steel and some of the superhero movies and stuff. And those movies are so far removed from any heart, in my opinion, because you have thousands of people working on these films, you know. Maybe someone has a vision, but when you have 20 producers telling you to change this and change that, and thousands of different people working on the movie, it starts to lose its vision, you know. And, and that's what I love so much about the SOV is it's small, you know, for the most part, a lot of these guys were just people who loved film and wanted to make them, you know. And, of course, you still had your people back then, too, who did it only for money. I mean, there's always that group of filmmakers out there who are literally just trying to make a quick buck. But to me, for the most part, a lot of those guys, and it was very inspiring to me, you know, seeing that, hey, I got a video camera. I can try to make my own movies, you know. And, and these people are getting these movies distributed. So it kind of gave you... It kind of gave you that inspiration, like, hey, I can do this too, you know, where, you know, otherwise film making films seem completely unobtainable, you know, of, of shooting a 35 millimeter film, you know. Right. It's so much cheaper to do it. Just shoot it on video. Do you still have any of the stuff that you used to shoot when you were younger? Because um, that's because I still have a lot of things that I made in the 90s. But another thing that I don't sort of like about this digital era was once I made the transition into digital cameras in like the early 2000s, um, my parents' computer ended up crashing when I was like 16, 17. So I lost so many films because no one thought about getting hard drives and stuff back then. But I still got all the stuff I shot on video. Um, do you still have any of the stuff that you shot? Oh, I have a ton, ton of stuff. <laughs> uh, I, I've, I've been, I keep all my master tapes. So I have master tapes for just about everything I do. And I back everything up on hard drives as well. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know why I save it all. I know most of it's garbage, to be honest, <laughs> honest with you. Um, it, it took me many years to, to, to get any talent when it comes to uh, filmmaking. Um, but yeah, I still get a lot of that stuff. And, uh, you know, like in my movie, Zombarella House of Horrors, you know, you see a lot of my early work is in that, uh, you know, we kind of repurpose some of that stuff to make fake commercials and fake trailers and stuff like that. And I, speaking of, I want to transition into some of the stuff that you've had a part of. I know that you mentioned that you've had a bulk of your work in the 3D world working on um, some big budget stuff, uh, just to name a few. I mean, you've been a part of like the Marvel films, like as you said, uh, some of the Shrek films as well um metallica um is there anything that like sticks out to you that was just a super fun project to work on um well for the kind of the more mainstream big movies that i've done uh, most of that was doing 3d conversion i worked for a company locally here that did a 3d conversion and uh as you've gathered you know my art is an independent film an independent horror i've never been a big uh, fan of of mainstream movies especially uh what i would call modern mainstream films and so honestly i i really didn't care <laughs> about working on those movies it paid my bills you know as a, as a day job and i was glad to work on them i mean it was very cool to get to work on stuff you know and and there was one time i remember one of the first ones i worked on was uh that terrible movie uh the green hornet the remake with uh, <laughs> seth rogan and that was one of the first ones i did working for them and uh, i remember going to the theater to watch that in 3d and just being like this is terrible and after that <laughs> i never went and saw any of the movies that i worked on <laughs> for them so you know it just it, uh, those aren't really my thing, but I'm very, I feel very privileged to have gotten to work on those movies and to, you know, make a living doing it, you know. Um, yeah, but your passion is with the indie stuff, obviously, as all of us can tell. Um, you've mentioned the Zombarella film. Um, I actually have it right here, the DVD copy of it. Where did that whole idea come about? It's obviously an homage to some of the horror hosts of the past, um, but where did you, did you, you came up with the character? Yeah, yeah. So uh, pretty much the way Zombarella came about actually was uh, originally I was just putting together some of my short films into a compilation to share with friends and people had worked on my movies. Uh, any of my movies that you see, there's pretty much no real actors in any of them. They're all just my friends who, you, you know, help me out. And uh, and so I wanted to make this compilation of some early work I had done. I was kind of playing around and doing some editing of some some uh, early uh, stuff from uh, the series of films I did called the Cannibal Vampire Coggle Hookers from Outer Space Trilogy. <laughs> and uh, the, the actress who played Zombarella is a friend of mine. And, uh, you know, I just she had the right kind of gothy type look. And I was like, hey, will you play this character and, and, and host these uh, ho host these uh, little segments? And so she did, you know, and we had fun doing it. And then all of a sudden the idea for the feature came not too long after that. It was like, hey, well maybe we can kind of make a feature out of this. And the thought out there was I directed quite a few short films and fake trailers and, you know, a ton of stuff over the years. And I wanted to make a feature. And so, you know, I, I was thinking about, well, how can I put all this together and uh, get it to feature length? And so the Zombarella thing came back. Oh, well, I could have maybe a horror host. And then I started thinking about, you know, one of my favorite shows growing up uh, was USA's Up All Night you know, hosted by Ron Desheer and Gilbert Godfrey. And that was one of the shows that like 
totally warped my sensibilities and made me love B movies and, uh, you know, 80s TNA sex comedies. And so, you know, one of the big things with those was the 1-900 sex ads. You know, there'd be like five minutes of 1-900 sex ads in between and like psychic commercials. And so I was like, hey, why don't we put some, you know, why don't we do some commercial breaks? And so the idea was to kind of make it more like a USA up all night, except uh, a fake satellite cable TV show. So you could have gore, nudity and all that stuff. And uh, but have these cool little commercial breaks, you know, what 1-900 ads and stuff like that. So that was kind of really the idea for that. And the way we got actually what happened was I was going to have another one of my shorts in there and uh, I tried to license it from uh, the, the producers who had released this other short I, I won't name. But uh, they, they flat out refused letting me uh, license it or even purchase any rights to it. So uh, I asked my good buddy Tim Ritter, uh, I'm, hey, Tim, can you, you, you want to direct a short for this? And he did. And. He's like, oh, I really dig this commercials idea. Can I do some commercials too? And I'm like, of course, please. And so, you know, we ended up collaborating on that, which was just talk about a dream come true. You know, I grew up watching Tim Ritter's movies, Truth or Dare, Critical Madness and Creep and all that. And so so to get to uh, actually make a film with him was was amazing. Yeah. What, so I know you mentioned uh, Cannibal Vampire Colgar Hooker from Outer Space. There's several several parts to that. Um, yeah. What can you tell me? What can you tell me about those shorts? <laughs> so the the first Cannibal Hookers from Outer Space was actually made on complete accident. I was I was uh, as a lot of these things go. I, I was set up to shoot a dick biting scene for another movie that I was going to make. And at the last minute, the the male actor who was going to be in it was like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I was like, oh, crap. Well, I already set up this. You know, I bought a cubasa that I rigged with the blood tube. I mean, it's pretty primitive effects back then. But, uh, you know, uh, I was like, well, what am I going to do? And so I called a bunch of my friends and I was just like, hey, do you guys want to come down and shoot? And I literally came up with the idea in about five minutes of Cannibal Vampire, Call Girl Hookers from Outer Space. I always loved long titles. My, my favorite movie of all time is... Uh, Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bolarama. That's my absolute favorite film. And uh, so I've always loved really long titles. And uh, so we made this short, you know, and, and it was pretty cheesy. It was pretty bad. But everyone remembered the dick biting. Everyone was always like, wow, that guy got his dick bit off. And some people thought it looked real due to the video look, you know, because it was shot on video. It had horrible lighting. I mean, you know, I didn't know what I was doing back then. And, uh, so it was very dark and it, you know, some people thought the blowjob scene was actually real. And so, you know, like any kind of young filmmaker, you get a reaction from that. You're like, well, I got to make a sequel. And so we <laughs> made part two. And, uh, after part two, I actually, part two was actually unfinished the trailer because I started production on a feature version and uh, that was the project I talked about earlier where we spent a good seven months in pre-production and things kind of fell apart, unfortunately. Um, and so I, I really kind of forgot about the cannibal hookers until I was asked to be part of a movie called Grindsploitation. Um, they, they, they emailed me and asked me to be a part of it. And, you know, can you make a fake trailer? And so I'm like, let's do Hookers <laughs> 3. <laughs> and the funniest thing about Hookers 3 really is Hookers 3, I mean, there's probably about 80 camera setups in this five-minute long trailer. There's probably about 20 different people getting killed. There's a ton of nudity. I mean, it, it literally took us, I think, two and a half months to shoot that over weekends, 
you know, and in retrospect, I, I was like, gosh, I made an entire movie without any dialogue. I should have just <laughs> shot some dialogue and we could have had a feature. But. Yeah. <laughs> Exciting. And you, you mentioned you love uh, long titles. Um, so another one that you've been a part of, the classic Christmas Yule Log fireplace with holiday shorts. There's another one. <laughs> <laughs> That that's just a that's a compilation I did for a company I I, I worked for sometimes called Legend Films and uh, they needed to put uh, they needed to put uh, some credits on there so they threw my name on there. <laughs> cool cool stuff. What what are some of your uh, what are some of the other shorts in uh, Zombarella? So Zombarella also has. Um, the first short in it is is a movie called uh, in Zombarella. It's called Computer Date, but it was originally called Love Me in Pieces, and I originally shot that for uh, Brad Twiggs' anthology Frames of Fear, and uh, Brad had asked us to make something, and uh, that was kind of uh, I try to put social commentary sometimes in these things when I can. I don't take myself too serious, like I'm a you know deep filmmaker or anything. But uh, that was kind of my my statement about online dating and uh, people looking for perfection in online dating. Uh, I was in a relationship for a long time, and uh, after that was done, I tried the whole online dating thing, which was just an absolute nightmare. So that that was pretty much my kind of social commentary on online dating and the woes of online <laughs> dating. Uh, what else is in there? Oh, we did uh, The Doll is in there, and The Doll was uh, originally called Chester and Morty's Grim Return, and we shot that one for, what movie was that in? Gosh, see, I get them so confused now. I'm so sorry. No, no, that one was for Frames of Fear. Uh, Love Me in Peace's computer date was actually for Todd Sheets' anthology Sleepless Nights. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So the doll was actually made for frames of fear and that was my, that, that has no social redeeming commentary whatsoever. <laughs> that is literally, I wanted to make my own version of black devil doll from hell. And so that's what I did. I, I pretty much made my own version of black devil doll from hell. I kind of mixed that with, uh, the slumber party genre. Cause who doesn't love a good <laughs> slumber party movie? Yeah. And, uh, and that one was a lot of fun, you know, uh, that was, uh, that was kind of one of the last uh, big productions I did before, you know, uh, my, one of my frequent partners, a uh, good friend of mine who I first started making films with, John Hoden, who worked on most of my films. He moved not too long after that. So that was kind of our last hurrah. We had an empty house. He was moving out of his house. So we had this house to film in, which was really awesome. It had a giant bathroom. So it was easy to fit three girls in there to get naked and, you know, <laughs> and uh, do that kind of stuff. So that, that one was a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like sounds like it was a ton of fun to put together. Um, one of the things I like about your DVD line and the stuff you make, again, going back to the video store, um, it's all about the covers. That's how you get people to rent the stuff. And as you see the Zombarella, the cover here, um, you're you're playing up the sex a little bit here to get the uh, no for sure get the I won't say the rents, but get the the purchases online. Um, I love all the artwork that you guys are doing on the site. Um, what can you tell me? Because you said you're sort of the criterion of these VHS films. Uh, what's the importance of getting uh, these good covers on them? Yeah, so, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's kind of like you said, you know, in the in the VHS era, there were so many amazing covers. I mean, you'd be sucked in by these covers and then you'd watch the movie and the movie would be a complete turd. But they had great cover artwork. You know, they'd have these immaculate, like, painted covers that just looked so cool. 
And, uh, you know, when I started the company, I knew I really wanted to have cool cover art. And um, I got hooked up with this uh, artist named Jason Gilmore, who uh, works for a company called Bloodscreen Comics. And uh, I, I pretty much use Jason for any title I can afford to have him do. I mean, I think he's a great artist. He's more in the comic book uh, background, so it's more of a comic book style art. But I really love his art. I think it fits our release as well. And we pretty much have him do all the main covers. Uh, the 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 some of the movies, you know, we don't have as big of a budget to 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 put towards cover art. And so those ones, you know, I'm I'm pretty skilled at Photoshop and stuff like that. I got a degree in graphic design, so you know, I uh, whip those ones up myself. But uh, whenever I can afford to have Jason do art, I'm more than happy to have him do it. He he does such an amazing job. Yeah, what's your what's your favorite cover from the films you've put out? My favorite one, gosh, that's a that's a tough one. Um, probably my favorite that Jason's done is probably either Metal Noir or or Zombarella, and uh, we work pretty closely on most of those. You know, I would kind of come up with concepts and and give him concepts, and he would kind of make my concept come to life, which was really cool. And uh, since then, though, I've given him complete creative freedom because he's just such an amazing artist. Uh, one of the most recent ones he did for us, Blood Orgy of the Leather Girls, is such an awesome cover. It's, you know, I I really like that one a lot, too. I, I eventually would love to get posters of all these made and put them around my office, you know, and yeah. just stare at them all day because they're so great. Yeah, SOV Horror Headquarters. Yeah, I like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I really love all the covers. Like, the Zombarella thing kind of has, like, the old like Tales from the Crypt comic vibe going on. It looks like a comic yep. book cover and all that. Um, it's all very nice. Um, so you you film stuff. You are a distributor. Um, I also noticed you've acted in a few things. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's that? Because as you said, and I mean, I'm a filmmaker as well. I mean, everyone knows who does stuff on an indie level. It's a lot of getting your friends involved uh, to do these stuff who may have no interest in acting. Um, so how do you sort of feel on the opposite side of the camera? I hate acting. I, <laughs> I absolutely hate it. I, I absolutely hate being on camera. I absolutely hate putting myself out there. Um, you know, it kind of just goes with the territory of wanting to do this stuff. I mean, most of my acting roles I've done in stuff has literally been no one else wants to do that. You know, my early work, you know, we did lots of stuff, uh, you know, with guys in drag and stuff like that. And no one ever wanted to be the guy in drag or the guy getting raped or whatever. So that was always me. You know, I was always the guy <laughs> who would do the stuff that no one else wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I also would do that stuff because I wanted my friends who were helping me out to see, hey, I'm never going to ask you to do anything I wouldn't do. You know, if right. I ask you to do something really disgusting or gross, I will put myself through that same uncomfortable thing to make them feel like, hey, it's okay. You know, like, I'm not here. We're not here to ridicule you or making fun of you. We're just trying to make some cool art, you know, but my acting is completely terrible. If anyone wants to see probably my biggest uh, role is probably in purveyors of blood where I play a sadomasochistic hillbilly. Who's really into corn oil. And, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty interesting <laughs> role. Yeah. I've had a few other roles. I was, I, I played a doctor in hobgoblins too, which was a, a, a pleasure to work on, on a, I've known Rick Sloan for years and I helped out a lot with Hobgoblins too. That was really an honor to work on that one. And, uh, you know, I've done some cameos in my own stuff, but for the most part, I, I, I I'm not into acting. I, I don't consider myself an actor <laughs> by any means. Yeah. Um, so obviously huge collector and everything. 
Um, what are some of the because fi- everyone has like their inspirations and stuff. What are some of the films um, that you sort of have taken inspiration? I mean, you mentioned the uh, with the doll, your inspiration for that one. Uh, but what are some of the other films that really made you want to get into this and uh, start making them yourself? So, uh, Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bolarama, the first time I saw that movie uh, on Cinemax was just amazing. I mean, that, that movie changed my life, uh, the Dave Dakota movie. It's it's so cheesy. It's so fun. It's got the three screen queens, Linnea Quigley, Michelle Brower, and Brink Stevens in it, uh, who I adore all three of those ladies. And uh, it was just such a fun, goofy movie. I mean that's the movie I wish I could make. If I could do anything, I'd love to make a remake of Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Ballerama, but it probably would suck because there's no way you can touch gold. You know, <laughs> you can't really, uh, you know, I, I don't really believe in remaking stuff per se, but, uh, you know, I, th- that's one of my favorites. Uh, some other ones that were really in- inspirational to me personally was, uh, blood sucking freaks, Joel M. Reed's blood sucking freaks, uh, in a few of my movies and the cannibal hookers movies in particular, there's usually scenes of girls rubbing gore on their breasts, which uh, came from my love for blood sucking. <laughs> I remember being my filmmaking partner of uh, the, one of our early viewings of that, I think it was the first time he watched it with me. And there's a scene where one of the cannibal girls is rubbing some, uh, some type of meat on her breasts. He turns to me and he goes, dude, I want to make movies. <laughs> <laughs> And so ever since then, we love to throw that gag in when we can. And we, I, I think in Hookers 3, we did it best where we actually used real beef guts, which was absolutely disgusting. And, and the actress in that, Raven Moon, was she was such a trooper because she's actually a vegetarian. And, well, uh, she, she rubbed all these beef guts all over her body. And um, <laughs> God bless her. She, she did a great job. Yeah. Um, other ones, uh, definitely some SOVs for sure. I mean, uh, Redneck Zombies was huge for me when I first saw that movie. I was like, wow, this is great. Uh, you know, uh, Blood Lake, like I mentioned, Blood Lake was a big one for me. Uh, Goblin by Todd Sheets. I know Todd Sheets hates that freaking movie, but I absolutely adore that movie. Um, you know, so there's been a lot of movies that have been really influential to me, um, but I tried to not emulate other films too much, you know, in, in my own work, you know, every so often, like with the doll, you know, obviously we took some inspiration from black devil doll from hell, but for the most part, when I've made stuff, I try to try to, you know, you can try to do original stuff. That's all you can do. Obviously everything's been done. So it's very difficult to come up with a completely original idea, but you know, I try not to, uh, I like to put references, though. You know, you have characters named after, like, the Polonia brothers and stuff like that, you know. I like to put little references, but I try to stay clear from just, uh, you know, blatantly copying anyone else's work, you know. Right. Um, so, a- as we've mentioned, and as anyone would probably guess, SOV, it's kind of a niche thing. Nowadays, a lot of people aren't really into it unless you're into the, all the kind of stuff that we're into. Um, for someone who isn't really into SOV or they're kind of looking to get into it for the first time, what do you think are some good films to sort of start out with? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, the biggest misconception about SOV is that, hey, it's all crap. I got a video camera. I can shoot this stuff. But there's so many great filmmakers and so many great movies. I mean, ones that come to mind immediately to me are uh, some of the films of J.R. Bookwalter, like Ozone. I think Ozone is an absolutely amazing horror film. Uh, I'm not trying to toot my own company here, but a, a movie like The Spirit Gallery by John Streisek. I mean, it is such a greatly produced film, you know, it, it doesn't matter that it's shot on video. Same with Mr. Ice Cream Man. I feel that's another one, just really solid, you know, film. And what I love about Mr. Ice Cream Man is I, is I feel like if, if you just took a still from any shot in that movie, it's going to look like a perfect photograph. I mean, it just looks beautiful. The cinematography in that movie is just beautiful. And uh, I really love, uh, what else would be good ones for people? Because I, I get that, like, you know, you don't want to, recommend anything too kind of weird or out there <laughs> which is tough because that's what i love about these movies the most uh but there's definitely a, a lot out there that i think uh definitely transcend the shot on video label um i, I think uh you know if, if people if people look past that these movies are shot on video i think a lot of people would have a lot of fun with them unfortunately i think the shot on video thing is actually a stigma and a lot of people just take it as, haha, I'm going to make in fun of this movie. Look at the shitty acting or the shitty effects or, you know, or whatnot. But uh, me, when I see, watch these movies, I see heart. I see heart most of all. And that's what I love about these movies. Like I said, they're so inspirational. You know, I, I, I would have never pursued working in the film industry if it wasn't for, you know, the movies of people like Todd Sheets and Tim Ritter, you know, Tim Boggs, all these guys. Yeah, because, I mean, as you said, there's it's sort of like a double-edged sword because, yeah, like, there's the bad stigma. Yeah, anyone can go ahead and make a movie. But then you take that same statement, anyone can make a movie. You know what I mean? So yep. you're getting a lot of good stuff in there as well. Um, it's like any genre, you know? I mean, I, I feel even with the regular horror genre, you know, there's probably 80% crap and 20%, you know, amazingness, you know? And it's... You gotta find those. You gotta find those gems, you know, and they're out there. Yeah, I mean, there's always the cheese factor, but I mean, if you can't look past, I mean, and a lot of that's like the appeal to a lot of these. Like, oh, like you. Can oh, for see, sure. You can see a boom mic there, or right here, stuff's a little off or whatever, and that just adds sort of to the charm of everything. Um, sure. Yeah. But yeah, so I guess sort of as we wind down here, uh, sort of tell everyone um, where they can find you uh online it's obviously sovhorror.com where they can get uh copies of the dvds and stuff so just basically anything you want to plug um just go ahead and throw it out there yeah so if uh anyone wants to you know chat with me or anything like that i always love talking shot on video horror movies when i can uh i'm on facebook uh just look up tony massiello i'm up there um also we have a facebook group called uh sov the true independence which is for the web series and there's a lot of shot on video fans and filmmakers in there and um we also have a youtube channel like i said we're constantly putting up a uh, new youtube content and you can find that on our sovhorror.com website and just tons of new movies coming out and uh you know i have one rule at them with the company and it's i only put out movies i like so I'd like to think that I have good integrity with our company. I'd like to think people think like-minded as myself would probably enjoy most of our releases. So, you know, open up your minds. If you're not into shot on video movies, I say give them a chance. Check out a Spirit Gallery or Mr. Ice Cream Man or even like some of those other titles we mentioned like 
J.R. Bookwalter's Ozone. I mean, a lot of these things are getting re-releases now, which is awesome. And uh, open your mind a little bit, step outside your box, and uh, check out some uh, some cool different movies. I think you could be uh, pleasantly surprised by what you see. Awesome. Any any last words you want to share with our fine audience here about SOV or anything? Just SOV equals love. You know, I love SOV. You know, I feel it's it's a genre that is just it comes from love it comes from heart and it really shows especially in the in the quality works of sov and uh you know to me sov is all about love this company to me is all about love i'll be honest i i don't make money with this company i, I lose a lot of money with this company <laughs> but i do it because i love it I, I do it because i love these movies and i feel these movies deserve to be treated with respect you know and i feel that they've been the to, to some people, they've been a laughing stock. You know, people watch them and making fun of them, and that's all they are. And hey, that's fine too. I can laugh at a, you know, a good, bad movie myself. But to me, you know, I, I feel it's, you know, it's about love and respect, and that's what SOV Horror is all about. So awesome. So I want to thank you for coming on the show today. I want to thank you for preserving VHS history. Um, and yeah, just thanks for everything. Oh, thank you. It's so much fun. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, that is about it for this time, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the House of Horror podcast. I want to say thanks again to Tony for being on the show today. It really was a great time. Again, if you guys haven't already, please make sure that you subscribe to my channel and leave me a rating and review on whatever streaming service you're listening to this on. I will catch you back here again for another episode of the House of Horror podcast, and I'll see you guys over on YouTube tomorrow for another video from the House of Horror. That's about it for this time, guys. So as always, take care and stay spooky.